Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast, we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear to places to dive in scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 360 is recorded live March 1st, 2018. back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Chilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan where we are still having a little bit of precipitation. Joining me this week we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? That's pretty good. Uh, I just put the sparkle in my mask down because it has been raining a bit today. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be prepared. I, I drove by Hickory Creek, which had finally gone down. I think about last weekend it was uh, down back to being in the channel and not filling the valleys and uh, today on my way home it was not quite as high as the highest spot had been but it was up there again so uh, and I, I didn't feel like we got that much rain but with the ground being as saturated as it is it's not a whole lot of places for it to go well that was over six foot higher than its norm last week yeah yeah i made a point to go down there and take a look at it and it's like it would have been quite interesting if you're trying to kayak it yeah well uh because there are some spots, I imagine, that have some trees across. I was wondering if they, if those had floated up or if you were able to actually navigate without doing much dodging. Well, my understanding is really sort of dangerous to do that right now, especially, well, more so, because you got fast current and you got strainers. Oh, and yeah. actually, they're still looking for a missing kayaker uh, from Coloma Water Valley area. Oh, no. And the individual is from Niles, 35-year-old. Because I was worried about Larry, because he went kayaking the other day. Oh, but uh, they all hit something in a in a log. They all went down. Two came up, and the other one they don't know where he's at. Oh, not yeah. a nice time. Yeah, well, the current people don't realize it. Uh, uh, my wife, who works for animal control, people they were taking their dog out for playing, and they thought that the and the, and the dog likes going in the water, so they let it play in the water, and it got swept away. <laughs> There's clues, you know, like when you have rapids, that's probably yeah. not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, the dog just got tired and couldn't keep going. Plus, it's cold and, yeah. And the dog tried to get back to shore where they were as opposed to, like we would, let it carry you down, make your way to the embankment. Yeah, yeah. So, I feel bad for the dog and, and the people, but uh, you know, should know better. And that, and it's the thing with water is people don't realize how much current is there. It doesn't there because you've seen the, the the river where especially there in Niles, it doesn't look bad. But if you're in it, you realize how what kind of clip it's moving at. Well, like they said, if you're in two feet of water, which is less than your knees, get your foot trapped under a log and get knocked down. You cannot get yourself up. Yeah, you know, depending on how fast the current is, because generally any any amount of fast current, you can't get back up because there's too much surface area. Yeah, yeah, they'll just, they'll just roll you over. Yep. We'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We have Derek tonight. We have Eric also in there. I'm sure we'll have a few more show up. I just put the show notes into the Patreon account. So if you're one of our Patreon supporters, we thank you, and you have early access to those show notes. We've started using a new feature of Patreon, which is after five days, it will 
make those show notes available to everybody. And and what that does, it, it gives you kind of an idea of what people get to see early on. Uh, and it's, it's not really anything secret because when we post our show notes on our website, uh, you'll see them as well. And also, if you're going to the website uh, the last couple of days, I'm I'm having an issue with a certificate, a SSL certificate. So you're going to get a warning. Uh, I mean, I the, the site's fine, so I don't feel like you need to worry. But if you're one of those people who, you know, if it gives you a warning, you don't want to go there, that's fine. We'll have that corrected hopefully tomorrow, well before you hear this episode. I should have things back working. Uh, what it is is I, I used to have this high-paid certificate that was quite expensive and then i've got these free certificates which work just as well so i'm like why should i pay for it well i guess this is why because since i had the 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 paid one on there it didn't automatically uh renew with the free one so i've got to do a little bit of work but yeah that's just the nature of things so this first article we have up uh where's this out of i can't even i know and i can't pronounce the four letter words i'm in trouble um dive komodo raja ampat the Banda Sea, Indonesia. Okay. And uh, they're saying they're very sad to communicate with all our magnificent, all, with all our magnificent. That, uh, English is obviously not their first language, but it appears that one of their vessels, the WOW, W-A-O-W, burned and sank last night, which was the evening of January 31st, February 1st, in a storm in Bach Harbor. For, fortunately, there was no loss of life or physical injury. Uh they said that the vessel was a young maiden, had become legendary, was confirmed to have been very marked success she achieved on the occasion of a recent European trade fairs, as well as the testimonies have been pouring in. Uh, they said the gratitude goes on to the crew, their enthusiasm to provide services and wish to offer on board and the exemplary courage they had been demonstrating throughout the sad event. They have shown their affection for their W-A-O-W. Is that wow? Is that the... Is that an I think acronym? Wow, or? is wow sounds good to me. Wow, in which they have been so proud. A big thank you to all who trusted and manifest your appreciation by living and sharing a wow adventure with us. We remember the pleasure of welcoming you on board and spending happy memorial moments with you. And looking at that vessel, that is heck of a boat, isn't it? That was well, uh, that. That was one of the reasons I liked that one. Is you got to look at the side view of it and then look at the how big that baby is. Plus, you take a look at the charts they went through for the different areas in mm-hmm. Indonesia to dive. So if you haven't been there, it's worth just looking at what the boat looked like before it burned yeah. and the areas in which they dive and, and where yeah. they travel. Yeah, so this is not uh, a tiny boat. I mean, it looks like a 100-footer. Do they say here how big it is? Yeah, you look at those, um, you look at those maps where they went. They went everywhere. This is, this is kind of like one of those dream things there where you just, yeah. wow. To set the booth, so I, I'm guessing this was somebody's, uh, you know, retirement fund. They had retired, went and put the boat, or I don't know what's the technical term. Is that a ship, sailing vessel? Well, I was looking at a lot of the pictorials of the ships in that area. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that's what they call them there. Yeah, beautiful. I, I feel sorry. Hopefully, they have it insured, but I have a feeling. They may not have. Wow, look Look at that. That is That was well done. Looking at some of the pictures of the deck. and I just sent another one real quick. Mm-hmm. If you went to the site I just sent you, it's called tradi, uh, paddy.com, travelpaddy.com. It has a whole listing of other liveaboards in that area. And you take a look at them. There's one or two. It looks like pirate ships. Freaking awesome. Wow. It's a two-mass schooner, obviously, with an engine. 
So if you want to just hit that real quick, I think you'd be pleased to see what it is. Hopefully I get my email to they they quite they all look quite similar, but uh very nice. I I need to have some music I play. Oh while we're doing this? Uh, the the Jeopardy music. While I wait for my email to upload or open or whatever it's thinking about doing. It seems yeah, th- I don't know how long their trips are, but I'm looking at this one here on these boats. It seemed to be typical about forty two hundred dollars. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that's like 10 nights. That's what it is. 10 nights, $4,200. You know, that's probably not too crazy. Gosh. If I, if, if only I had a few million dollars, I'd be doing this from the road. <laughs> yeah. Did this did this ever come up for you? No, I, I still haven't seen. Where, well, where did you... others out there, if they saw what you posted, go to it. Mm-hmm. And some of these boats are quite often, uh, you know, awesome. Let's see. And then we have a scuba diver profile, Michael Labrache. I, I think I may have pronounced his name right. Uh, says he he tried scuba diving in a pool in 1970, has been hooked on adventure ever since. A Paddy Master scuba diving instructor, tech rec, technical instructor, and professional underwater photographer. He has spent most of his time beneath the waves exploring the underwater world, capturing iconic images. His images have been featured in renowned news outlets around the world. Whether documenting uncharted dive sites or addressing marine conservation issues, he is passionate to the visual storytelling, inspires others to connect with our oceans and preserve it for future generations. And then they go into a, a question and answer. Was there one of these that you thought would be particular to cover, or, or should we do them all? Or I just looked at them, and I figured you could go through them. So I don't have it anymore. It didn't post for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it says, uh, what inspired you to take up photojournalism and what did you enjoy capturing the most? And he says, when he started underwater photography, I was more interested in capturing images to show to non-divers to get them interested in starting scuba diving. I didn't consider myself an underwater photojournalist yet. At the end of 2013, while a dedicated expedition in Baja, an entangled whale was reported in the area, and I just happened to be on the rescue boat. I documented the whole rescue. It really triggered my passion for photojournalism, capturing and documenting any conservation issues, rare phenomena, remote places is what really drives me. And then the next question is, have you gone diving in a variety of underwater climates, explore some unique places in the world on assignment, and there's one that most extreme and interests you. And he says, the most extreme so far has been two recent expeditions in 2016-2017 to the Clipperton Atoll, considered to be the most isolated atoll in the world. It was leading a scientific expedition in hopes of proving connectivity and residency for migratory sharks in the area, which we did. With the help of other stakeholders, this led to the establishment of a marine protected area. Clipperton was out of reach of any possible rescue in roughly 100 hours for the crossing. Everything about it was extreme when you consider that you are isolated working with sharks at risk of decompression sickness and other medical issues. And then favorite dive destinations. He says, I really enjoy diving Quebec, Canada. There are a lot of beautiful, challenging remote places to photograph here or there. So my favorite diving experience include wreck diving, the Empress of Ireland, uh, the K2 of wreck diving, uh, diving with Greenland sharks, baby harp seals, exploring virgin dive sites and documenting conservation issues like threatened beluga whales. I mean that's you're pretty hardcore if you're saying that Quebec is your your kind of your dream destination. Uh, are there any environmental or conservative conservation issues that you feel particularly important at the moment? And he says for the last year I've had a strong focus on plastic pollution and marine debris. 
I have seen the ugliness of trash floating to the surface of the ocean in Southeast Asia, but nothing tops the sight of marine debris in Clipperton Atoll. Strangest piece of trash you found underwater? I don't know what could qualify as strangest, but objects mostly connected uh, during a dive against debris trips range from a safe, unfortunately empty, to the remains of a 50s pickup truck, cars, refrigerator, ammo, with other pieces that look like explosive device in the making. The most unusual marine debris, though, was found in Clipperton, a pack of cocaine brought to the island by ocean currents. If you ask, I didn't buy a new home after the expedition. And what advice would you give aspiring underwater photographers? At the end of the day, I strongly believe that if you work hard, you'll succeed. The most important advice I would give is to be committed, fearless, and pursuing your dreams. Hard to do, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, daily living gets in your way. Yeah, it depends on what choices you've made and responsibilities you have. It doesn't say if he's married and has kids. No. And I'm thinking he doesn't. Well, it says he started diving in the 70s, so I'm guessing he's not really young, so it's possible maybe uh, you know, an empty nester or something. But it, it almost appears that this has become a recent thing because it didn't sound like he you know, was talking about a lot of history, at least in this interview. Well, if you're talking 70s, you've got 15-plus age so he's getting up there and it's great that he's keeping in shape and doing that kind of stuff and pursuing what he really wants to do Mm -hmm. later in life and that article is in sports diver magazine on their website uh professional okay so the professional scuba diving program this one is on the divesafe.com website um so it looks like they're offering where you can get professional scuba diver program it's a paddy dive master and occupational scuba diver together, double certifications. Is there anything you wanted to highlight on this one? I tell you, I would love to take this. Um, I mean, I've got a lot, but, but I'm just saying the, the course is uh, 434 hours or 15 weeks. Am I too long, by the way? You sound fine. I don't know if I was blasting this out. Okay. Uh, course prerequisites were interesting because the major is a medical um, Canadian System Diver Medical Certification. You have to have that. You have to have a Patty Divers Medical, be 18 years of old, uh, age. And what they're going to have you do is occupational scuba diver, first aid, workplace hazardous materials identification, oxygen therapy, dive accident management, commercial nitrox diver blender, Patty Open Water, Patty Advanced, Patty Rescue, Patty Dive Master, Patty Specialties, including Nitrox, blender, night diver, boat diver, deep diver, ice suit diver, underwater navigation diver, wreck diver, equipment specialties, project fish aware ID specialty, and emergency first response, CPR, AED, first aid. And then some of the courses they have look similar to what you're going to have for commercial, which is dive in theory, rescue dives, managing, learning to work on the ocean and under the ocean, uh, the diverse marine environments, boat handling, also Critical if you're going to be on the water a lot. Uh, dive team and their roles. How to get employment in the industry. Where to find dive work internationally. Hands-on equipment maintenance and repairs. Underwater navigation. Uh, underwater environmental survey work. Underwater survey and recovery. Uh, say Full-face diving, night diving, low visibility diving, current rescue diving, hull inspections, lifeline and tender diving techniques, seafood harvesting, uh, diving with a net. An agriculture, aquaculture, diving techniques, uh, underwater video and photography techniques, marine-like uh, identification, dive manager and rescue workshop, dive leadership. 
that is pretty comprehensive. What, what I like about it is if you are somebody who is thinking that I want to do something in the, in the related to diving and you hadn't quite figured it out, I bet by the end of that course you would have a good idea what you could do. I like how broad it is and it gives you a, a touch of everything. Oh, because, I, that thing is quite comprehensive. And then the other topic you're going to look at expands upon that even. And that is the uh, a new kind of hybrid dive program that's being offered in Canada. Uh, dive Safe International new professional scuba diving program, which starts, starts this spring, is a hybrid that provides students with both PADI, Dive Master, and commercial scuba certifications, as well as a number of advanced water rescue and open water courses. The program, the first of its kind in Canada, is designed to provide graduates with everything they'll need for an adventurous career in international diving. Uh, we're so excited to offer the professional scuba program, says Kelly Carroll, Dive Safe International owner and director of diving. It's the ideal program for anyone who loves water and wants to travel the world. Graduates will be working in marine biology, aquaculture, engineering, seafood harvesting, underwater photography, dive rescue, tourism, you name it. It can be your ticket to underwater anywhere in the world. So this this sounds very similar to what we just uh, looked at. Yeah, the uh, pictures you'll notice on the left-hand side, though, those are hard hat gears. Yeah. They're wearing. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're getting a little bit of everything. Yep. Well, and maybe that's what you need to do now. Uh, I mean, does that, that I imagine that would make you more marketable. Well, the more skills you have, like if you do, uh, and I, what I think we'd like to have is uh, our friend who just finished dive school yeah. come on and give us some information about what he saw when he was there. What were the other people's experience when they got there and what it was like, you know, go through the course. But he took, you know, welding, uh, UDT, under, uh, underwater, uh, like PT and stuff when you're doing ultrasonics mm-hmm. for testing metals and stuff. He took as many courses as he could get. So when he got out, he'd have that many more skills in his, his back pocket to make him more valuable. Yeah. You know, do you want just a diver who can tend? Or do you want a diver who can fix your compressor or your air conditioner or mix gas or run a chamber? Right. So the more skills, the better chance you got to be an employee, either underwater or on the surface. Right. And and that's one thing that I've heard, uh, especially in some of these careers, is if you can do things like fix the boat, <laughs> you, you become very valuable. Uh, you know, when, the, when it's time to, you know, when they're, they're trimming crew down for off season or something else. Uh, the more value you can add to an employer, the better chance you have that of being True, because if you, you come back to shore, the boats need some work. Yeah. Well, the other guy's going to beat feet. you got a job if you want it. Yeah. And then that also gives you a career path. Because, honestly, how long does somebody want to be doing physical labor? I mean, you, you may enjoy water. You may enjoy uh, scuba diving. But there does get to be a time. I, I imagine that I'm probably past the, the the point of when most people decide that they want more of a desk job or supervisory role in the commercial diving industry. So uh, you know, if you've got those skills, it, it gives you a path. And then this next article out of uh, Dive Newswire. It's, quick, uh, real quick question for you. Yeah. Were you going to, did you skip the, uh, the scuba diving fly? Did I miss one? Yeah. Look under on. scuba diver profile. Scuba diving fly. I thought that was interesting. Go and see if I missed it. Oh, scuba diving fly. I see it right there. U.S. News. Oh, did I overlook that or did I have it someplace else? 
we'll go ahead and get this one loading so we can talk about it. This one is was posted in usnews.com website. Scientists solved the mystery of America's scuba diving fly, a small fly that thrives in inhospitable, inhospitable California Lake east of Yosemite National Park. Has long perplexed observers who observe who watch it as it crawls into severely salty and alkaline water, snacks on some large algae, and lays some eggs and emerges dry as a desert. Researchers published on Monday finally explains the secret of the scuba diving insect. These quarter-inch-long, six-millimeter alkali flies possess special traits that let them conquer mono lake scientists found. They are covered in a large quantity of fine hairs coated with special waxes that let them encapsulate themselves in body-hugging bubble that protects them from the water that would doom an ordinary insect. The flies have found a great gig, all the food they want, with few predators. They just had to solve one tricky problem. This, according to California Institute of Technology biologist Michael Dickinson, co-author of the study of proceeding of National Academy of Sciences, all insects are hairy and water repellent to some degree. These alkali flies, whose scientific name is Ephydra hans, I apologize to the person Hans, who I've probably insulted, have magnified both traits to overcome the extreme conditions of Mono Lake, considering among the wettest water in Earth with slippery near oily feel, the water tends to attract to any surface due to exorbitant amounts of sodium carbonate, a chemical used in laundry detergent. The study provides a clear example of evolution in action. Uh, added co-author Floris Van Bruegel, a former Caltech postdoctorate scholar now at the University of Washington, the flies have evolved to crawl underwater, crawl underwater so they can feed on the abundant food algae that grows there. The lake has no fish because the fish cannot live in the harsh chemicals of the lake. Thus, the flies have no major predators in the lake. Fish are, most insects would be crazy to crawl underwater. Uh, American author Mark Twain was among those who remarked that these flies at a 12-mile-wide mono lake, which is three times saltier than the Pacific Ocean, they also live at Oregon's Lake Albert and Utah's Great Salt Lake, also salty and alkaline. Flies use sharp foot claws to crawl into the water from rocky outcroppings. The hairy bodies trap a layer of air that envelops envelopes them, envelops them in a protective bubble, except for the eyes to permit good underwater vision. After eating and laying eggs, they let go and float to the surface where the bubble pops, leaving them safe and dry. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, the picture was pretty good, too. And I was wondering, you know, fish would normally feast on those, but as soon as I started saying alkali, not too healthy. Yeah, so yeah. I really wonder, why is it that way? Is it just the uh, contents of the bottomlands, like the Salt Lake Flats? Yeah, it sounds like there's and, a but, lot of uh, carbonate, so it could be just chemicals. Oh, here we go. Uh, you probably didn't hear that, Mac, but we had the autoplay going there. Uh, but, yeah, just the, the chemicals in, naturally occurring in the area are what make the conditions of that water. I was curious also what the vid was. I, I wish they said. And what besides algae is that? Because that was about, they said, 19 miles? Uh, Mono Lake was 12-mile wide, 19-kilometer long. So I don't know if it's if it's mostly just a rectangle or let's see if we can. It's a large body of water there. Yeah, it's it's not like a little pond. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. It's always interesting when you see creatures that have adapted to such a small environment and that they're able to make, they're able to continue. Okay, it looks pretty spooky when you look at the picture. Very desperate. Did you see some more? 
locations? Well, I just I just triggered on it and has pictures of Bono Lake. Oh, it's a large, shallow, saltine soda lake in Mono Country, California, formed at least seven hundred and sixty thousand years ago as a terminal lake, and I can't pronounce that Indo-Heric Basin. The lack of an outlet causes high level of salts to accumulate in the lake. It's uh, sixty-nine miles square miles, max depth one hundred and fifty-nine feet. No fishing. Well, I'm going to guess that there, you could probably fish there. You're just not going to have too much luck. Yeah, you know, look at the wild pictures, though. I mean, it's flat like a mirror, but it looks like it's got jagged peaks sticking out of the bottom. Well, you know, there's one thing you could catch. That would be you could do a little bit of fly fishing. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got to practice those bad jokes. Pretty good joke, though. <laughs> Die. Dive Newswire, they had the One Breath Yoga and the Art of Combining Yoga and Free Diving. Laying down on the floor, arms and legs stretched out, you close your eyes and settle in. Finding stillness, you relax your body completely from the surface of your skin, deep to your bones. From this place of quiet, you begin to pay attention to your breath. The rise and fall of your belly, the rhythmic waves and inhales and exhales. The soft feel of your breath as it grazes your inner nostrils. The smooth sound is though from ocean waves, in and out, in, out, you watch, becoming the observer, you let go. When your mind feels ready, you begin the practice. First, you exhale fully as you draw your belly towards your spine, pushing the air from the bottom of your lungs upward to the back of the throat, out through your nose. At the end of your exhale, you inhale, feeling the breath move up the front of your body, noticing each sensation, slow, full, you feel your lungs all the way to the top, from the pubic bone to your throat, you expand. At the top of the inhale, you hold with your lungs fully relaxed, scanning your body from the tips of your toes to the crown of your head, searching for stress, tension, finding it, you let it go. Bring your attention to your face. You soften more, relaxing the skin of your forehead, your eyes, your jaws, letting go completely. Then you feel it rising from the pit of your belly. Your abdominal muscles grip. The back of your throat tightens. Here it comes, the urge to breathe. You feel it rise, but you don't fight. You don't resist. Riding the wave, you let it pass. When it does, you relax even more. Just the beat of your heart moves you. All else is still. Even your thoughts become quiet. And there you are. 30 seconds in, a minute, now three, still holding that same breath. Relaxing through contractions, softening through the deep urge to breathe. Motionless. So who are you, a free diver or a yogi? I thought that was interesting because there's also an article in Dan this month Mm -hmm. on the same topic. On free diver and yoga? And that, yes. And so, basically, it's it's meditation in the water, which relaxes you, and that is a different technique. And they didn't, for what I read, didn't say pro or con to the, you know, really, really good benefits. But I thought it was quite interesting that Dan also had an article on that. Well, when you think about it, I mean, I can remember as a kid, uh, we would see yoga on TV. And it was always, they'd have, uh, you know, the yogi kudu or somebody would be fitting into a box or I want to say there was even one where the, they had him into this tiny little cube and they dropped him into a pool for like 10 or 15 minutes. So uh, it seems that it's a natural extension because uh, if you can control your breathing and your metabolism, like many yogis can, it seems like it would go good in free diving as long as you remember to breathe again eventually and are in a position to get out of the water. Well, say the benefit is it says how to use less air and get longer bottom times while scuba diving. Relaxation. Yeah. So the writer, Sarah Wilner, is uh, 
a Paddy open water instructor living on Bonaire, also a certified yoga instructor who holds a master's degree in experimental psychology, where she studied the use of mindful practice and endurance well-being. Like the next one, too, since we were talking about photography. Mm-hmm. That next one where you're going to be talking about is Underwater Photography Modeling Workshop with Miss Guba. Pictures are pretty nice, too. Oh, uh, how did I miss that one, too? <laughs> Gosh. I suppose my point is if you're going to gonna get into this photo thing, this is the place to go, you know, and volunteer to be the photographer to help these people do their modeling. Oh, goodness. I'm, I'm almost getting an idea what, what I'll be seeing when I click on this link. The Underwater Photography Modeling Workshop with Miss Scuba UK Models in the Red Sea. And it says, over the years, well-known underwater photographer Stuart Philpot has become highly skilled at taking picture compositions featuring underwater models either in the foreground or as the main subject for front cover portrait to place somewhere in the frame to add perspective for a wide-angle scenic composition. His work has been featured in a variety of international scuba diving publications. The website, Stuart has used his ex- experience to design a five-day workshop that completely focuses on the art of using models in underwater photography. He has compiled a series of presentations that will give the photographers a unique insight on how to take underwater photos using models in a variety of different composures and settings. Stuart will also discuss how to set up the best composures, a pitfall he has encountered, and useful tips that he has learned throughout the years. This will be accompanied by daily practice sessions by using shore diving sites, uh, day boat diving, and inflatable excursions. Femininity is a key feature when selling promoting magazines, so we have invited the top four scuba, Miss Scuba UK underwater models to accompany us during the week-long course. Please note it is not a glamour shoot. The idea is to use the models to complement and enhance the underwater compositions. The plan is to practice new skills, pick up ideas from the group, as well as being preempted. That prompted by Stuart, there will be daily image reviews with plenty of constructive critique and friendly banter. Schedule includes freshwater swimming pool sessions using bubble bubble curtains, different lighting effects, different color kit setup, etc. There'll also be rec photography day and a trip to the famous Anemone City for creative machine marine life model compositions. Throughout the week, models will be using scuba, snorkeling gear, scooters, and a variety of kit configurations as well as different swimsuits, wetsuits, international photographers will work and dive as a pair to refine the skills before spending some quality time with Miss Scuba UK models. To get the best results, participant photographers should be equipped with their own camera, strobes of some form for external lighting, wide-angle lenses, laptop computer download images, and some basic picture editing. Cameras can be compact, housed mirrorless, or DSLRs. Don't miss the opportunity to participate in this very special modeling workshop hosted by one of UK's leading underwater photographer journals, plus the added bonus of four Miss Scuba models to photography. You know, I think they may have mentioned that uh, a couple times already. Yeah, I think so. Well, I looked him up, but looked him up a little bit. He's a Patty, B-S-A-C, S-S-I, E-D-I. He has all the uh, certifications for instructor and all of those. And I didn't realize, but this is set up in uh, South Carolina. Oh, this is in Egypt. And that's where you set up that dedicated video and photography center. And the cost for this course, I went ahead and looked at it if I was just curious, is uh, looks like 1,125 pounds per person. That's really not bad. I mean, I'm sure that that's probably not including your, is that including your uh, 
at Seven Nights at uh, Roots in Deluxe Chalet. Uh, return airport transfers, unlimited guided house reef diving, two dives at the Rock by Zodiac, two dives at Safara by Hard Boat, and uh, of course his uh, workshop. Wow, I, that's, I think that's a pretty good deal, actually. Yeah, no, it, it looked like a pretty good time, and uh, looking at some of the photos, they're pretty good. Yeah. Which is the intent, obviously. Yeah. And did we mention that they've got models? <laughs> by, by the way, <laughs> listeners, we do not get paid for this, so even though that sounds like an embedded ad, we did not receive any money. But I think they have models. Are you still there? Got I'm still here. About it. Yeah, just uh, getting on to the next one. Let's see. We had. Are we? To, are we? Have we moved through them all? Uh, I think we're to the Jason Voorhees statue found oh, at the how about bottom. Flippers. Flippers. Where did? Wow. Oh, how am I? I think my. Yeah, let's go. Let's go back to that. Some of these must have crashed on me because that was even one that I had done. I mean, I don't mind, mind mountain climbing, but I don't want to do it in flippers and a freaking scuba tank on my back. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out what was the point of this. Why would you go and do that? So what we're referring to is an article out of the Denver Post. Uh, a climber, uh, apparently not near water, was dressed up in dive gear. Uh, let's see, was it Rillian Vandermeer? A 23-year-old University of Colorado senior, dressed in flippers, a wetsuit, here and then out the article moved on me, snorkels and goggle, and a mock oxygen tank made from a paper towel rolls wrapped in duct tape. Um, so Bill Wright, a longtime climber and unofficial keeper of the speed climbing records, said the iconic area has been the backdrop for many sh- showiest escapades, including naked climbs. Hand-free climbs in a 1950s ascent in roller skates essentially proved how easy it is to, con- to conquer. Wright said the fake tank and other scuba gear doesn't set the climb apart. What makes it... Oh, and it moved. All these darn articles. Uh, what makes his ascent unique is his choice of footwear. I think it sounds so totally silly to me, Wright said, but I do a lot of silly things, and I think it ranks up there with climbing the third... In roller skates, it certainly could be done, but why? He said after two people died in 2017, the first accident, fatal falls in nine years, he doesn't want climbers to forget that climbing can be fun and safe at the same time. So I guess what's unique is the fact that he was doing the doing it with the flippers on? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And he, from the pictures, he's had a snorkel, mask, hard hat. I don't see a weight belt, but I do see a half-shell suit and yellow flipper. Yeah, he's... Yeah, I mean, even though you know you you'll, you 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 deduct a half point for it not being a real tank, but uh, yeah, that that flippers that that does bring up the difficulty factor. And looking, that's a yeah. fairly uh, thick wet steep. That's that's a steep ankle he's climbing too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he could have done it in three finger mitts though. No, no, that yeah, come on. Yeah, you know, he'd been a hardy cold water diver than he. He'd be doing that, but uh, okay, cool. That is a nice picture, though, of him at the top, though, yeah. holding his nose. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Now, a little bit of scuba promoting going on there. So what do you have for the next one so I don't? Horrifying find in Minnesota Lake leaves divers petrified. Yeah, this one, uh, 
uh, it was in the chat room. Let's see, who do we give credit for on this one? Uh, this one was uh, posted by Eric. He put that one in there, and then I, I did a little bit of looking. But, uh, yeah, that video, did you watch the video on it? No, uh, that, that's one I sent you, too. I didn't look at the video, but I did oh, the oh, parts of it. It's, it reminds me of when you first dove at Lake 16 years ago when the Viz sucked. Yeah. And you went down to the one line, you turned around, there's a guy in a, in a wetsuit, uh-huh. and you go around the front, and that's when you realize it's a freaking skeleton, and you're not expecting that. Because <laughs> yeah. back then, you know, visibility was, you know, almost braille. So I can imagine this would be just as bad. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of quarries who have different things. Uh, I think one of the most uncomfortable, I was with Bob and, and Kurt, and uh, there was, I don't know, it was somebody in a dry suit, but it wasn't somebody alive. And it wasn't too long after, because at first you're like, is it, you know, did, is that what I saw, thought I saw? And then uh, when we uh, went up, there were, they were actually trying to recall everybody out of the water because they had a, a diver disappear disappear and and eventually did pass on but that was uh yeah at, at, when when they were looking for him i was thinking wait was i sure that was a mannequin yeah, yeah there can be some interesting times underwater yeah. especially in the river yeah but that video and the, and the video was from uh 2014 uh it looked i mean yeah it, it, they somebody had done a good job in in creating that i call it an art piece yeah living art see we're cultured and then we do have one uh, other video of the week. I have a, a shark collides with a scuba diver's face, removes the mask and regulator, and and that pretty much describes it. Uh, you know, he's a, he's swimming there in the water, and uh, I can't tell if the shark was uh, intentionally did it just to see what he was, or just he happened to be in the way, but ran right on into him. So another one of those things that we do not have to worry about in the Great Lakes. That's got posted, so they'll be able to look at it, right? Uh, let me, yeah, it was in the show notes. Let me see here. We'll paste that one into the chat room. They can follow. Uh, it's one of those hard ones to talk about, but the video shows it all. And there you go. <laughs> yeah, at least we know it's in South Africa, so it's nowhere really close to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we just have catfish. I'm not sure what a baited scuba dive is. Is that is that something else in that article? Yeah, it's, uh, they had a GoPro mounted to his person Saturday when he went on a baited scuba dive off the south coast of Durban. Video shows the moment an oceanic black tip shark charged directly at him and struck him in the face. Yeah, they're referring to the baiting of the shark. So <laughs> to get them in the area so you can it, dive with sharks. Is it? Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking uh, I've seen photos where they'll they'll have like a cage full of bait and they'll put it in the bottom and. Uh, this particular one, you know, or, you, or is it kind of like at uh, Gilboa where you stick fish food in somebody's back pocket? Oh. Uh, maybe that's, maybe you were the bait, <laughs> but that's, that what I believe they're referring to as opposed to not baiting. Uh, I, I'm not a real big advocate of the baiting. I think that you're just, I guess if you're a tour operator and you want to get the sharks there as quick as possible so that people can see it. But I also think that's where you have some of those. Issues with people getting a little nipped or or something. Is there only I like the article where it says the shark was apparently startled by the divers and was attempting to get away from the humans rather than attack them intentionally. It didn't look like. Well, I mean, the guy the guy didn't die, so I don't think it intended on on hurting him because he he certainly wouldn't have been much of a challenge. But uh, take a look at the video. We'll have that in the show notes as well. 
Well, that Did does you see it. the article right? Did you see the article right under it? No. Drone captures moment Florida surfer falls atop of a shark. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're, That's we're getting, another good one. Yeah, we're getting to the point where you you are videoed almost 24 hours a day. So, I went ahead and posted it just for the fun of it. I'm going to close down these these windows. You know how you always see the uh, videos from drones and the guys that people are swimming? There's uh, sharks around them. Mm-hmm. Well, this is one of those, and it's like, son of a... If you know there's sharks like that around where you're at, why are you in the water? I mean, you look like a freaking seal. Yeah. Yeah, if you watch the video, turn the sound on, otherwise you're going to hear it. Okay. Oh, you're in the general room. That's why I'm not seeing your, your posts. Sorry about that. Where'd yeah. my posts go? They went in general. Everybody's in the live chat. So if, if, if you're listening live, you can dump in, jump into the general real quick. You can click on the links. Yeah, that's a interesting image there. Well, there's another whole section there. That, that looks like a, a herd, or whatever you want to call it, of manatees mm-hmm. in the same video. I don't know where this guy was taking it at, but man, there's some good bat rays from the surface of this drone, or the drone is showing. You got a little bit of everything in there. That's Verano Beach in Florida. That's near what? Port uh, Pierce Inlet? Is that, is that on the Gulf side or the, the Atlantic side? Pierce, I, I really don't know. It sounds like it's on the Gulf side. I just remember last time I was out there two years ago, and I went to Shark Teeth beach mm-hmm. and i'm out there half wet to looking for shark teeth and then later we went down well, a couple of miles down to the big pier where people are fishing and i say what's the biggest thing you guys are catching out here oh we're just doing hammerheads it's like excuse me nobody told me there were hammerheads out where i was at that doesn't give me a warm fuzzy feeling no no i've i've heard they can be a little grumpy as far as the shark family goes well, you know, here I am, splashed around in, in shallow, you know, chest high, that kind of stuff. And it's like, and I went to, you look like a seal. It's an interesting video, though. It's pretty nice. Well, that does it for scuba in the news. And uh, with water, I'm doubting many of us in this area have gotten wet. Uh, well, you know, not so contrary. Oh, really? Who Who, who happened to get in the water? Uh, Mr. Jim and uh, oh, anything who else was out there? It was, uh, it was that... a very cool day. They said without the dry suit, it would not have been as much fun. I think the water <laughs> temperature was 38. Uh, the ice was gone, but the water was still very chilly. Also, they went out into the big lake? No, this was in one of the uh, round uh, Sister Lakes areas, I believe. Oh, okay. So they picked some place where uh, the, the flooding and stuff didn't affect it nearly as much. Correct. And looking at the pictures, uh, it looked like it was pretty clear, which surprised me with as much runoff. Well, if, 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 it's, if all the water is rain and it's not running into it, it's running away, then maybe it is. <laughs> Flooding out? Well, rainwater should be clear. Yeah, it's a little cool. Glad somebody got a dive in. Well, we've had a good bit of water and wind this week, too, though. I mean, it's been gusting 22 knots Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, even though we had some sunshine. It's on the breezy side, and then it rained all day today. Yeah. Yep. So what, whatever little drying out had happened, it's uh, come back in quite a bit of water. That's supposed to be nice this weekend, and of course we have uh, the Great Lakes Shipwrecks Festival in Ann Arbor on Saturday. 
this coming up Saturday. So yes, have, day after tomorrow. So if if you wanted to go to that show, this may be one of your last chances to go there. If if the rumors are here are correct, it's it's getting awkward for most of the uh, events. I mean, the scuba one from Ohio that's not going to be done this year. So yeah. there's got to be a commonality somewhere. Yep. If you like going to them, go out there and support them. Well, I think we'll have a couple of members of the club going to be out there. I plan on being there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, two weeks after that, you've got the Wolf's Open House. Yes. That's on the 17th and 18th. It's kind of like how you and know Wolf, Spring's coming. Think, I'm sorry? That's how you know Spring's coming. Yep. They've changed their hours. They're now doing the um, they're open on Mondays. So the hours they expand their hours of uh, operation. And if you're looking for a very nice inflatable, that is the place to go. They are the inflatable boat people. Yeah, we mean inflatables. We it's it's not like your little surfing rafts. We're talking about the zodiac and and large vessels. Yeah, from the straight, you know, inflators to the ones with the hard bottoms, the whole thing. Yep, ribs. Let's see. Do you have uh, do do we anybody got any? Well, you got the drive dive shows going on, so probably not going to see much diving happening this weekend. Uh, the following week, we will not be having an episode. I've got a robotics competition that everything's culminating in, our first one of the season, week two. If you're in the area and you like robotics competitions, the entry to them all are free. You can look online. You go to thebluealliance.com and click, and you can watch watch them online, or you can visit them in person. So next, well, at least six, seven weeks is going to be the basic part of the season, and then they, they get into uh, the world championships. It all goes pretty quick here. Uh, they had some good uh, information on those today in the paper again, uh, indicating at St. Joe, I believe it is, indicating uh, a lot of those are free for people to go and eyeball. Yep. And that, some of the pictures they had, there's a heck of a crowd out there. Oh, the, the it's full. They they fill the stands. So if it's in Michigan, uh, the events during the regular season are held in uh, high school gyms. So they'll have a, a the regular gym where you'll play basketball in. There'll be 40 robotics teams and both sides will be filled up with spectators watching the event. And then you usually have a auxiliary gym or a clubhouse that has the pits where you can actually get right up and close to the robots and see what people are working on. And then in Michigan, after six weeks of competition, the seventh week is the Michigan State Finals where they take the best of the teams. And I think Michigan this year is over 500 robotics teams, the top at least 140, if not more, will be going on to uh, Saginaw, Valley, Saginaw Valley State University to compete. And then uh, about 78 of those teams will qualify for Worlds. Uh, there are two Worlds competitions that will be going on. One is going to be down in Houston, Texas, uh, which is uh, you know southern part of the U.S. and the West Coast and half of international. And the other one is moved from St. Louis, Missouri to Detroit, Michigan this year, and there's about 400 to 600 teams. I'm not sure if they've given a final number yet that will be at each of those events. So very cool. That's, that, that's what's occupying a lot of my time right now, keeping me out of the water. Do you have any uh, safety tips for this week? No, I don't. I'm sorry about that. No, no, no problem. Um, so I think, uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we wrap things up? No, not other than the, uh, you know, the Shipwreck Festival and Wolf's. That's about the major I had. The only other questions I said is, uh, did you have a joke or did you want me to read some of the philosophy 
philosophy of ambiguity. Can you talk about it? Yeah, I, ambiguity. I don't know. Well, why, don't, why don't you go ahead for it? Why, why don't you, you take it? Oh, well, I was looking at a couple of these, and it said, these are questions I think are really interesting. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he homeless or naked? Hmm. Can vegetarians eat animal crackers? I don't know. Why do they put Braille on the drive through bank machine? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What was the best thing before sliced bread? Oh. Is it possible, or how is it possible, to have a civil war? Not possible. If one synchronized swimmer drowns, do the rest drown too? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk about this, but this was good. But <laughs> Why is there an expiration date on sour cream? Yeah. I tell my wife and, that all the time. Can an atheist get insurance against acts of God? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a couple. I had a whole bunch, but I don't want to. Yeah. No, those are good. I I, I thought those uh, fit into the our standards for groaners, should we say. Some of these, it's like if a deaf child signs wear words, does his mother wash his hands with soap? <laughs> well, that's how you could gain the system. <laughs> I like, this is one of my favorite songs. Why do they lock gas station bathrooms? Are they afraid somebody will clean them? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I've, uh, I, I've yet to see that happening. Yeah, what's that? No, I like the Santa Claus one. Remember that one? No. The main reason Santa is so jolly is because he knows where all the bad girls live. <laughs> I, I think we should end on that one. Okay, we'll really that we'll, we'll, we'll let that one go. So until next week, go out there and get wet and stay safe. <laughs>